You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, I, I'm in, like, I, I, I don't want to say HD, but I got a new <laughs> webcam. Uh, and although it is better, I'm still recording a Zoom overlay, so it's probably probably not the best, but maybe I look a little different. No, I think uh, it looks good. I recorded a video the other day and found out that the 60 frames per second does not match up with the 29.7 frames that my audio was synced to. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of problems, but I fixed that in OBS after recording an entire video that I now can't use. Uh, <laughs> I, I re-recorded it, but it's all good. Um, yeah, it is a wider angle. I need to maybe like bring it in a little bit more. I'm still tweaking the settings, but um, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. It's fun to have new toys to play with, I guess. Oh, God, yeah. yes. So, uh, hi, Lucian. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Excellent. I realize there's a lot going on in the uh, Jordan household, so yeah. we're glad you're here with us this morning. Yeah. I was almost tweeting out, hey, might be a, a late show, might be a, but <laughs> poor poor Jordan Jr., not not feeling so well. Yeah. So we are all pulling for him. The little boy, is uh, he's he's got he's got a cold or something, and... Uh, he does not want to keep food down, so we're we're working on that. And literally, like minutes before we were about to go live, I had to run upstairs and help with some stuff. But yeah, yeah. he's going to. And go if down he has to nap. run again today, everybody be ready for that. Yeah, we'll just, I'll cover <laughs> yeah, for anything if I like hear that. If he's got to go, he'll but go. <laughs> that's all good. Um, excellent. So, what did I? So just D &D news Saturday morning stuff. There's so much we got in yeah. our notes. It's crazy. Uh, Mr. Silver Boulet in the chat, uh, who may or may not be on our show next week. I didn't talk to you about this, mm. Lucian, but uh, friend uh, who we played the Special OSE game with, um, Silver, he wants to, he's like, can I be on the show? And I was like, yeah. So I was like, not tomorrow, because I don't yeah. have any overlays set up or anything. <laughs> and I got a sick kit, but maybe. Absolutely. So we're going to figure this out. Um, so it's the preview week starting monday for D, &D so D, &D celebration. D celebration 2021 i just saw that i didn't yeah. i didn't even know that um, and D, &D celebration starts uh thursday friday from what we understood there was like a session zero thursday but the actual okay. event is friday saturday sunday yeah so i don't but know but then they what... announced like a whole week of stuff that they're doing yeah i don't know what exactly is happening other than maybe they're doing some like twitter leaks well, let me... Um, because... Oh, yeah. So you sent me this website, and it says, hey, this is the early previews. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's just a bunch of people's Twitter pages. Uh, ah. So, so are they going to doing... tweet out, like, videos and stuff, kind of like they did last time? Like, where it's like, yeah, hey, I here's think they're my working preview. with community members yeah. to showcase the three books. They're gonna sh there's going to be yeah. some that have been picked. There's a list um, in the tweet that I saw that had... Um, a list for Fizbins, there was a list for Witchlight, and then there was a list for um, Strixhaven. Yeah, yeah. So they picked different people out of, and these all seem like community people, people we recognize that we talk to on Twitter, might have YouTube pages, might be Twitch streamers, um, yeah, all seem to be, you know, influencers within the, the community. Yeah, Gabe Hicks, I know, uh, Ginny yeah. D, I know, uh, Trisha Hirschberger, she does a lot of media events like uh, mm -hmm. nerd event thingies 
Um, yeah. And then I was like, oh, Ms. Magitek, and she's she's a fun person. So I was yeah. I wasn't surprised, but I was just like, oh, somebody like I actually know a little bit. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of cool. And yeah. then going down even further. Uh, Unmade Gaming, who's been on our yeah, show a couple times, and who specifically does non-D&D content. I'm like, why are you revealing Strixhaven? But I was like, I, if I was in his position, I wouldn't say no either. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll do a video or something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious about what they're all going to do. But yeah, so Wednesday, uh, Magic the Gathering Nerd Girl. Uh, yeah, I don't know Voxy. But unmade so gaming. The only is the thing I could I think of is that they just contacted them and said, "Hey, here's a preview of these books. Yeah, pick yeah. pick some parts. Probably mm. they probably not like a full flip through, but like pick a part that interests you. And if you could showcase that on your channel, we'll advertise it. You'll get to advertise it. You get to see something new. Mm -hmm. And in in that way, I could see Wizards thinking everybody wins, right? You know, so yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You get your audience to to check in to something new. and honestly and they it's free advertising early. Uh, yeah well maybe they're paying them i have no idea but yeah. uh if they're they're a lot of companies now have done that where they're seeking out like oh you have an audience like i want you to do something for my mm -hmm. or for my product to talk to your audience and mm -hmm. uh a lot of times those stars align like this where a lot of these people are yeah. in the D, &D community and it's like i'm already following you but now yeah, is yeah. another so reason to follow to you you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll there, see I what think, they're like on Monday. <laughs> yeah. And I think for influencers, there's certain people that could reach out to you and, and you would say, hell yeah, I will do free advertising for you because I just love you anyways, right? So like uh, if MCDM reached out to the Saturday morning D&D &D show, we'd be like, sure, we could do an hour long show about all the stuff that's cool at, <laughs> at your place, Matt. We love you, Matt. <laughs> uh, please. That's Lucian. He does not speak for everybody at the yes. Saturday morning D&D &D show. Okay. But one um, half of the show loves you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, other news is that it's Gen Con too. And yeah. Lucian, you sent me a frantic text like a while ago. You're like, so almost, tickets are cheap. Should I just drive down there? And now I almost you're not. We know that we know this. But what, what was the story behind that? Just like last wow. minute, like why not go? Or an email popped in my email box on Sunday, and I looked at it and I thought. Well, they couldn't possibly be selling tickets to Gen Con because I would have figured that it was one of those events where you have to sign up early and they're limiting it and there wouldn't be enough. And so I wasn't keeping an eye on it at all. I was just kind of kind of fell off my radar because I decided not to go. Yeah. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. What This email makes it sound like there's they're selling tickets. So I go to the website. Wait a minute. They are selling tickets. Wait a minute. There's still stuff going on. I checked the hotels. All the hotels around the place have openings. Oh, yeah. That never happens yeah. at Gen Con, right? And so the one hotel I wanted to be in every time I go to Gen Con is this one that sits off to the east side of the convention center, has a walkway across it. Mm -hmm. And in one area, they call it the um, – it's like a metro station and then it's a part of the hotel, the plaza, the Crown Plaza. But they have this whole rail of train cars that have been redone into rooms. So yeah, you get that's little funny. Rooms. And I, I, when I walked by there one year, I was like, I'm going to be staying in one of these when I go to a Gen Con. Those rooms are open. There's some you can get right now. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there Sunday, had a huge fight with my wife about going to a convention during a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> because all of a sudden I got, I was like, I could go, I could just mm -hmm. drive down there. Cause it's only three hours for me. So it's not yeah, like I'm yeah. let's get plane ticket, you know, 
even though she's like, you spent all this money, you're going to a pandemic where all these people are going to be that are unvaccinated. I'm like, well, she doesn't quite understand that the gamer groups are a little bit more liberal leaning than than the non-liberal well, leaning. So I, don't, I was like, I don't know. know. A lot of them, I don't know I think, if you know that vaccines. at all. Like, like maybe not. Maybe I mean, they're not. <laughs> Gen Con is taking precautions, uh, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I don't know like, about the attendees, but. They're all wearing masks. They all have multiple masks. So I assume these are the types of people that are not avoiding the vaccine. But I could be wrong. There could be all kinds of different people at yeah. uh, Gen Con. I just got the impression that it was more. I just read about some discussion. article about a guy who got kicked out of Gen Con uh, yeah, before sure. he even could like go to it. Like They escorted yeah. him out, and I was like, oh. He's gone. <laughs> so uh, it happens. Uh, I, I personally am okay that I didn't go. Um, I was well, really sad. I was really missing there. it. Well, Ted is there, yeah. Ted is there. Um, but I went and I saw a lot of the pictures of people waiting to get into the area, and it is mm-hmm. far less crowded than I have ever that seen. That's the other reason I wanted to go because it would be um, so less crowded. But it was still like that's a lot of people, and I'm just is. thinking about like let's sit at a table and play games, and I'm like mm, I don't really play games with a lot of you all the time, so yeah. And with for me, I have to on. fly, and I wasn't super keen on flying either, so no. But so I don't know. I waffled. Next year. <laughs> I had a I had a moment of weakness. I almost pulled the trigger. At the end of it, my wife's like, "You know what? Just go. We can't we can't live in fear. We have our vaccines. Well, I'll come back and I'll quarantine so she doesn't get sick if something happens." Yeah. And I was like, "You know what? I want to go, but I don't have to go. I really don't have to go." Yeah. So I decided not to. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and now uh, we can have this wonderful show with a, a barking dog in the background. It's great. Barking dog. <laughs> uh. So. We, we kind of have been talking about Witchlight and how we're both like, meh, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, dumb down the product or anything. Uh, but I was like, I think I can pass on this one. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, they started releasing these Chris Perkins videos where he's talking about it and the amount of like, and, and I love a Chris Perkins adventure. Like, you know this. And, but like the amount of, uh, maybe just joy or excitement, he's kind of like, and then this, and like, I think this is really cool. Like, you can tell that this was a product he loves and has been working on for a while and is really excited for, more so than a lot of the other stuff I think he's worked on in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this was originally supposed to come out earlier, but because of the Baldur's Gate video game, they kind of rushed out Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus or like redid the beginning so they could call it Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus to have that tie. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one of the interviews I watched, he was like, well, we had to tie that in, which is why we weren't able to do Witchlight. So, you know, but we've been working anyway. It was like a, a little subtle kind of like he dropped that and then moved on. But I was like, oh, this is like you've been wanting to tell this story for a long mm-hmm. time. And and you haven't been able to. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm a little, I'm really interested in it from a from a design standpoint. And I really kind of want to, I don't know if I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll get it on D&D Beyond because mm-hmm. I have like five DMs who have all of the content and then share it with me once it's available. Everybody buys it. Yeah. Uh, but so I'll, I'll either read it there. Uh, we'll see if I pick up a hard book or not. But I, I don't know. Uh, I'm rethinking this adventure. And I was like, this could be a lot of fun. So. Uh, right. I know Twitter <laughs> talked about it quite a bit. Um, the the D Twitter main Twitter, the ch- the blue checkmark Twitter account, put out a couple of tweets about what do you think about non combat adventures, and a bunch of people weighed in about 
<laughs> how D and D is a combat centric game, but they're going to put out a non combat adventure. Mm. So they got you know they got some really mixed reviews there. A lot of people weighed in uh, left or right, and it did bring up I think an interesting discussion about how people solve problems in role-playing games and what tools do they have to solve the problems, right? So, I mean, in a, I think both sides had valid points, even though they were both defending what they thought were the opposite sides that were fighting. But to me, they were just both right, but it was still okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's okay to be right and not be on, we're not hitting each other on opposite sides. We're just, you know, we're just mentioning different pieces. And I thought it was a very interesting kind of conversation to have where you might say like Kids on Bikes has a lot of tools to handle RP situations or situations that don't need combat. Yeah. And D&D has a lot of, everything is centric. I mean, if you're playing, I think the big one I kept seeing is like, if I'm playing a barbarian character and I'm never going to swing a weapon, what in my barbarian character is going to help me during that adventure i'm just playing a person who talks at that point and that's not a class that's a person who's reasoning and talking through things it's not a barbarian right not it's a not, D&D class i should say yeah yeah, yeah it's not a i, I got a two-handed axe you're gonna tell me i'm not gonna use it yeah yeah <laughs> so i was just like and i get it but then i also get the you know the kind of the the idea that people are saying well you know we don't have to resolve all our problems with violence okay yeah, I get that too. I mean, you want to, um, you can explore different ways to tackle. And I think to encourage dungeon masters, I think what came out of a lot of that discussion is, well, you always could try to do a non-combat solution. The only yeah. one that's kind of stopped you is if the DM just made it so there's only one solution. If you start to suggest a non-combat alternative and your DM kind of starts to roll with it, it doesn't have to be easy, but it's an option then mm-hmm. it's in any adventure you know it could be dragging on the mount we could have went through the whole thing and maybe we negotiated with mm-hmm. you know the uh the kobolds in the mountain maybe you know maybe the roper would negotiate maybe i, I mean i guess we would have to fight the roper no matter what <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i i don't know uh we talked about this before and i i like combat and I, uh, I have been in a couple of D sessions with uh dms as a player so Mm -hmm. me as a player i've been in these sessions and there are times where it's like we did an entire game without a single piece of combat Mm -hmm. and uh i i view that as like oh like i i like fighting i like using Mm -hmm. my cool spells i like doing all kinds of weird maneuvers and things like that uh and then their interpretation was like, wasn't that the coolest session? Like no combat, like, man, we were we were role playing so hard. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but, and I'm, I'm gonna probably get some flack for saying this, <laughs> D&D is not a good role playing yeah. system. It's a good kind of like fantasy combat simulator adventure builder thing. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want like really awesome role play, there are lots of other things to recommend, which is kind of going full circle with, uh, you know, uh, Z, uh, who does the animated spellbook YouTube videos. He did a video on Blades in the Dark, and then that spawned Colville to do a video mm-hmm. about uh, a bunch of uh, a. a I think it's a Star Wars. Oh, it was Warhammer 40k. Yeah, he's talking system. about a new dice system, which um, I like, and how he's really like, I like this, but like you wouldn't necessarily do this for this, and so uh, yeah. it, it's it's interesting because I I'm like I like I like combat, 
Uh, my Tuesday game, we ended up doing an entire session where we were basically exploring and trying to figure out our next move. And that whole game had zero combat. And then the DM was like, I'm sorry, I know some of you guys like combat. And uh, his wife was just like, yeah, I'm kind of only here for that. And she was just like, he's like, I'm sorry. But yeah. sometimes it doesn't flow into a fight. So I understand sure. that. But uh, but D&D's base rules were set on going into a dungeon and mm-hmm. finding traps and things that would attack you, you know? So it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's no reason to roll a class if we're going to do a heist that has no combat in it. Like, we're going to do an Ocean's Eleven campaign. And we're like, everybody's on board. That sounds cool. And you're like... Well, what classes are we going to play? Well, we don't need those because you don't need barbarian abilities. You don't need ranger abilities. You don't need, you know, we can have skills, yeah. but we don't need, you know, How is sneak rage attack damage. How is rage going to help you be sneaky We don't need rage. Yeah. You know, some of the spell casting will help us, but, so, you know. I don't know. Uh, uh, kind of it's interesting. I, I think, especially playing a, a melee fighter kind of a person, those role play ones were a little harder for me to jump in. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't know. Like as a wizard, I always felt like I had cool things I could do in certain situations. And I feel like it's two extremes, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you have too much of one or too much of the other, you're missing out. I think you need the mix, right? You need some of the RP stuff and some of the cool character development stuff and, and conversations with NPCs and villains and villagers and whatever. But then you also need to clash swords and roll dice and use cool abilities that you've been waiting to unlock since level three because you finally got it. And like, now I can finally hold my holy symbol up and I can turn undead for that first time. You know, you're waiting for those moments to use those abilities because as you were building that character, you got super excited when you thought when Josh got this ability, I can't wait to unleash it on some bad dude, right? How did we get on this conversation again? Was it the pacifist (laughs) mode or? Yeah, yeah. Twitter had, because Witchlight, Witchlight, when Perkins has been putting out a bunch of videos this week about, hey, we spent a lot of time about creating a whole adventure or campaign. He kept using the different words and you can get through the whole thing with no combat. Yeah. So there, yeah, because I saw that. There's a pacifist mode. A lot of Twitter chatter about it so yeah. then i thought it was an interesting discussion to have and, and kind of bring yeah up, so. and i i think that would be fun i don't know there's i played through uh undertale without any combat i did the pacifist mode or whatever through that because mm-hmm. i was curious how it worked but i uh, definitely need to approach your or your players need to have an understanding that that's what they're going for i think because mm-hmm. there's going to be that person who's like well then i i don't want to be the barbarian you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I could see an adventure like that, but could you see like a like like let's say that when they release Storm King's Thunder, this is an adventure from one to sixteen, and they said in this entire adventure you can get through the whole thing one to sixteen, no combat. Okay. Two years of a campaign, no combat. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't see, know. See, it's I think that's where the difference comes in. If it's an adventure or it's a session or two and it makes sense, then okay, I'm going to roll with it. I'm not going to argue that, you know, we have to fight. But if you're going to tell me we're going to go from 1 to 16 over a two-year campaign and we're going to span the Sword Coast and we're never going to fight, I I don't think D&D is that game, right? (laughs) That's not the... Well, uh, yeah, I guess guess that... That's not your fantasy that you're trying to spend your time on. I mean, it could be. Uh, I guess we're focusing on the non-combat part. But, right. like, the, I mean, 
lots of people have fun in different ways. And so if you are that person that's like, I really want to embody my character and do da 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 like I, and we can make the argument to say, I think you're playing the wrong game and you need to play <laughs> uh, New Monera or you need to play all these other ones, uh, Call of Cthulhu, because you don't want to necessarily like fight the monster. You want to outsmart it. And I was like, okay, I can get around that. Uh, but if you just love the Sword Coast and want to go explore the Sword Coast and not have a lot of combat, I don't know. I guess you could do that. Well, I, I wouldn't want to play that game, but that's, that's me. That's the setting. That, <laughs> I, think, I think the analogy would be I planned out a cleric, or maybe not a cleric. I planned out a fighter champion, 1 to 15. I know all the abilities I'm going to take. I know all the feats I'm going to take. But I'm not going to use those in this 1 to 15 two-year campaign mm -hmm. so yeah I, and i think there are but groups that which are light is it. not which lights Some one people. to eight so yeah not a two-year campaign and does and that well i think if you don't more. have combat it's going to go by even faster <laughs> so <laughs> could be <laughs> so i thought it was interesting I, and i'm not saying there's a right or a wrong yeah. answer there's a right answer for you because it's whatever you like so for me i want combat i need combat it wouldn't work so well for me, but I'm not just the only target audience, so I get that. I'm, I'm also, gonna... I'm also afraid that we're going to run into uh, the author of Witchlight put a very particular way to have not combat, and then it's this like I have to Railroad. guess what the author is thinking. Yeah. more than a natural non-combat solution comes up, and that mm -hmm. might be, uh, that might be not applicable like maybe we haven't read it yet i don't know yeah, no, exactly no. what it is but uh that's my fear is that these game, pacifist yeah. mode players that want to want to attempt the entire adventure without any combat the whole th the whole point of the game will be trying to figure out what the author what's the loophole that the author put in yeah. um now this is also uh very Feywild to me because usually it's like if you trick them into saying something, it turns into a weird uh, contract, a fey magical contract. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well now you can't hurt me and you have to help me. And it's yeah. like, oh, they outsmarted me. So I like that aspect of it. Uh, we'll have to see, but like in the end, I want to <laughs> hey, fight Victor. things. If it's D and D, I want to fight things. So thanks for subscribing. Yeah. Well, and I think like, like when you said Alice in Wonderland didn't necessarily have to go around punching and pulling a sword to get through her adventures in wonderland right so yeah i do get that um there's there and me and you played a fantastic game that had very little combat in it and i loved it which was that monster's heart game we played and i got to play the amazon driver i mean i played the most basic oh yeah and but that that system's very character. designed for not combat, that's though. Yeah. so when i think of that that's what i think of i think of a session where we didn't do a lot of combat but we just had a lot of fun yeah with exploring and investigating and interacting with each other that session that lb ran was just still one of my favorites yeah that was, was a lot of fun really fun characters really quirky characters doing stuff that was in a normal town mm even though it had a supernatural normal. bent to it. So, yeah, normal. <laughs> With those weird lake vampires. Lake vampires. So, LB, if you're watching or listening, we're still talking about that game. We still talk about that game. That's a really good game. Uh, so. Super fun. Now, other news, I guess. Uh, oh, God. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So we got a huge haul. <laughs> critical role. Oh, uh, gotcha. Unless you wanted to talk about something else. I was going to go to the Pathfinder one, but no. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about this real quick. So, Critical yeah. Role released their intellectual property uh 
lawyer thing so that you know, uh, hey, we could come after you if you want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and this is pretty standard in the world of uh, storytelling and, and brands and stuff like that. You know, Wizards of the Coast has this exact same mm -hmm. thing. I'm not allowed to go out and make uh, Guinevar panther statues and call them mm -hmm. Forgotten Realms Guinevar panther statues. And like I'm, I'm not allowed and sell them and make a profit. Now, if I want to make something like that, and, and and honestly, if you're if you're hand making this and you've made four of them and you're selling them on Etsy, small chance that someone's going to come after you. But they have to do this. So that in a court of law, when there is some, uh, I don't know, like... Egregious. Well, there's somebody in, like, China or South America or Canada, yeah. I don't know. Reprinting books. Who's, who's like, I'm going to take all of this ideas and I'm going to make Guinevar figurines in mass and I'm going to sell them to everybody I know mm -hmm. uh, on a website, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah, we don't really like that. And a lot of people have been making money off of the Critical Role brand. And I think they're just oh, like, ooh. Yeah. And specifically, I saw the coffee uh, company, and I forget their name. What was their name? Uh, I think I follow them on Twitter, but I don't remember. But uh, they're a D&D coffee brand. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, they two of their brand labels are Critical Role fan art. And mm -hmm. so after this came out, they were like, we, mm, we're just going to stop doing that. So just so you know, like... Yeah, and so now they don't necessarily feel as comfortable having, you know, Jester's Wake Up brand coffee <laughs> or mm -hmm. whatever it was. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting, but they don't have a game system. They don't have like what Critical Role has is the characters they've created, and so if they can't protect those in some way, you know, mm -hmm. like. And what if they don't agree with certain things? Not that they would, but like, what if somebody's yeah. like, I'm gonna make a, a jester like pinup calendar or something. And they're like, ah, I don't feel like that's on par with the Critical Role brand. I don't want you to do that, you know? Yeah, that yeah. really is their choice. So it's interesting. A lot of people were upset that they, they took this as Critical Role was now forbidding fan content when fan content really built up this brand to what it is. Uh, but I, mm -hmm. I did not uh, take it that way. Mm -hmm. I think that they're just trying to protect themselves from from certain well, there larger are companies people. that could take out them. Yeah, there so. are definitely people that have made their living now based off of selling yeah. stuff to fans of Critical Role. Well, even, because fans of Critical yeah. Role want portraits or they yeah. want costumes or they want objects that they've seen on the show and this person can make those or they have the talent to make stuff like that and then sell it so um jenny d got super i was just gonna say there yeah and was being like, sent to gen con as jester paid you know the whole well and thing. she's and made she's calendars she's done all kinds role. of stuff like she's, yeah, she's in, she very much embodies jester and she does a really good job yeah. about it but like her whole youtube channel really exploded because of jester uh and I don't know. I haven't read as thoroughly about this, if that's something that she can continue to do. Yeah, I was wondering. But I definitely think that Critical Role, like, I know that Laura thought she was awesome. Like the, Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I like, they all that. love it. But, right. uh, it, yeah, it's a little odd. But if so. you're all of a sudden starting paid to make appearances at places as that character, then Critical Role might want to have more of a say if somebody's doing that. Because she got paid to go to Gen Con as Jester well, and hang out at booths to advertise the booths. 
Oh, I didn't know about that. But yeah, yeah, she was there at the. Year I was like, if you're paid to go to Gen Con, like you're that's a personality thing. What I was thinking is like, I've made a critical role calendar, which is <laughs> yeah. what she's done as Jester, and it's like you go and buy that. Uh, is that okay? Because you're yeah, using their intellectual property to sell mm -hmm. something that then Critical Role is getting zero but out. But then of, here's so. the one that people I thought on Twitter started to jump on that I think also um, started to create a little bit of a ruckus, I guess, is that they were saying, how how would you like to do this is theirs. Oh, you're yeah. not allowed to use yeah. that is what they're saying. Well, and you can <laughs> trademark phrases. I don't really agree you with that. Try, you can try, but I, I'm so. pretty sure Matt is not the original inventor of that phrase. Now, maybe he's no. the one that trademarked it. <laughs> but what if, you're, what if you're saying, I want to start, uh, how do you want to do this coffee brand? Yeah. And like, you're just towing the line of like, oh, I'll buy that because I know Critical Role. Yeah. I think, I mean, all of this intellectual property is a mess. And yeah. uh, I should say copyrights are a mess, not yeah, yeah. intellectual property. Because you'd be like, the copyright process, saying, and I'll be back, and nobody else can use that. And know? knowing <laughs> that I, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, and you get this a lot where people are like, how are you able to do this? How are you able to do this? And it's like, honestly, because they nobody can decide except a judge in a court of law, and there aren't enough hours yeah. in the day for judges to, to cover every piece of YouTube media that comes out. So it's a really weird gray area if they want to come after you. The same thing with Etsy, the same thing with mm -hmm. other stuff. Mm -hmm. But looking at this uh, contract, it seems a lot is very similar to uh, um, to what Wizards of the Coast has done for D&D. Like, yeah. you can use this, you can use this, you can't put it behind a paywall, you can't do this, like you can't, you know? But I don't know, this is no different than like, fan fiction of Jurassic Park in the 1990s, sure. like, where they're like, am I allowed to sell this? It's not yeah, my, but I, I wrote I think, it, you know, so. Yeah, and I think my my biggest concern is, or not concern, because who, who am I on, on the internet? Some dude on the internet. But it starts to lead to what I think is the <laughs> How do you want to brew this is what, yeah. that's the coffee yeah. brand. So. <laughs> that's perfect. That uh, is perfect. Like, good. Hashtag Once we TM. get into how the music industry protects their properties, they're the extreme. They're like yeah. the Gestapo of we will come after you. We you yeah. have oh you're humming that tune in the shower on your phone. Band. We're coming after you yeah. because that's ours. You didn't pay us to hum that tune. That's yeah. our tune. Yep. That's not even the the artist's tune. That's our tune that we have license and we pay the artist some of it. Yeah. But we want our money. Yeah. And we've got all the lawyers in the world to get it. Yep. That's what I always think when I see these, when they start to start to clamp down on my IP and securing it, I feel like that's the route you're starting to take. They're not there yet, and they're not doing that for that reason. But it feels like that's the road you start to get on, right? You start to get on. Then some lawyer is going to buy up the IP from Critical Role. They'll pay them a, a fee for it, but it's theirs. And now you're dealing with some company that owns them. Columbia Records owns Critical Role, or yeah. Amazon Industries owns Critical Role, or something. And then you're dealing with their lawyers and stuff. So it's, I get it. You have an IP and you want to protect it. You know, you know, you want to make the money you can. Sometimes people just see that though. You're making millions and millions of dollars, and you're worried about this other person who's creating portraits, and they might make ten grand a year. Yeah, that's who you're gonna lock down on. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Like, uh, 
I was just thinking there was there's a lot of Kickstarters that start out like, hey, mm-hmm. we want to make. Uh, boy, this is not the best example, but it's the only one I can think of. Is they wanted to make GameCube controllers for Smash Brothers tournaments, oh. and the Kickstarter blew up and then was yeah. gone immediately because Nintendo shut uh, that. <laughs> Nintendo shut it, and Nintendo's Should big have. on this. They're like, no, thank you. Yeah. But it was interesting. They were fine to make the controllers, but what the problem was is that they wanted to use the Smash Brothers logo. And they had Pikachu and and Mario on the yeah, controllers, and that was that was wow. the deal breaker. Like if they had just made controllers, that would have been fine. But now you're a Kickstarter making millions of dollars off of Mario's face, and that's where it doesn't. Yeah, so I don't know. And I get it. Uh, it's a sticky situation. Every we'll see. Know. We'll see where it goes. I think we've talked about it enough. But uh, <laughs> Critical Role, they're doing stuff. It's it's For a thing. Sure. So. Uh, Time for the Pathfinder report. Pathfinder. It's a podcast within a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, Back by Lucian, popular demand. Lucian, right? tell us all about what's <laughs> happening with Pathfinder. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, because a couple of shows ago, we brought up Pathfinder, and the audience seemed to say, yeah, we wouldn't mind knowing stuff about Pathfinder and what's going on over at Paizo. And it just so happened that Gen Con's this week, Paizo decided not to go as a company. They're usually a big, big, big presence at Gen Con. They buy some big floor space, and they sell lots of products at that um, during that show. But they did their um, keynote, and so they announced all the stuff they're doing from now until next Gen Con. Uh-huh. And a lot of times with game companies, especially TTRPG companies, they're not so centric on our year starts from January to December. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how they see their year. I think they see their year as from Gen Con super announcement to Gen Con yeah. super announcement. That's like that's like their year, right? You know, like a, a not a fiscal year instead of a like a calendar year, fiscal year. Um, so they had a keynote and he got on there and he talked about Starfinder. He talked about Pathfinder 2 and all the products that are coming out. So I thought I would bring a condensed version, maybe um, uh, Jordan can put the link in if you want to go see it on YouTube. It's out on Paizo's website. Yeah, yeah, I can it. put the link in. Uh, where is it? Oh, the, the uh, YouTube yep, video? It's right above there. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll, so I'll put the YouTube video there. in the uh, show notes because so, you're watching well, YouTube right now. So <laughs> don't watch another YouTube video. Watch this one. <laughs> don't do it. So Starfinder <laughs> is getting a book about mechs, um, a new book oh. that's coming out that has some um, interesting mech stuff in it. Then a book after that, they're introducing magic and bringing it into the universe because they have said Starfinder is a science fantasy TTRPG. Yeah. And they have not focused a lot on the fantasy part. They've focused a lot on the science part. So they're bringing in the fantasy part of Starfinder. So they're going to have a magic book. Lots of classes. You know, um, some new classes have gotten announced for Starfinder. So you can go check those out. They had accessories, battle cards, spell cards, and more adventure paths that are going to be released bi-monthly. So I like, this is again a comparison. One of the reasons we started talking about Pathfinder versus D&D in my mind was I liked the comparison between how Wizards does it and Paizo does it. Mm-hmm. They're going to release their adventure paths, their adventure books, bi-monthly. So you, it's like clockwork then. You know exactly what's going on. They're usually about 96 pages long. They're well, and a it's, spanning... a over, it's an over. It's a larger story. It's just yeah. like little snippets and then you have all of these module books that you 
put together yeah. for a large. Uh, and some are yeah. large, and some are, are ninety. Most of them are ninety six pages long, and then they might span five parts, six parts, ten yeah. parts, whatever it might be. Man, from a playtest standpoint, very smart. Because yeah. you're like you're not trying to do. I mean, you're like okay, we're gonna focus on just this, release yeah. it, and then focus on just this. And uh, I understand why they're doing it, and it's kind of weird that Wizards is going this other route where I guess they mm -hmm. really want to sell you fifty dollar books. So yeah. So one thing I thought that was interesting, if you're into the Starfinder thing at the moment, the current adventure path they're running right now is their equivalent to Kingmaker. So if any of you are mm. fans of Pathfinder, you know Kingmaker was the big you kind of are there to create a kingdom kind of thing it was their way to uh it was their type of adventure path that lets you start from the very beginnings and create a kingdom or a, or something like that a, have a castle or have a, a fort or something and almost like the matt coville you know strongholds and followers kind of book mm -hmm. um then after that they have something called the drift crisis where they're going to do a world changing event that's the way ships warp, I don't remember the term they use, but they have a term for how ships go from galaxy to galaxy or star system to star system. Something happens to the thing that lets that happen, and it's a big world-changing event for them. Almost, I was thinking, like, the spell plague for D&D &D or a cataclysm of some sort. Yeah. Um, so for them, they're getting that big one also um, later in the year or starting in the early next year. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Then they mentioned Pathfinder 2E stuff. So the big book that's out right now or they would have released at Gen Con for 2E would have been Secrets of Magic, big magic book. Lots of spells, classes, archetypes, um, magic items and things. Yeah. Next thing up on their um, agenda after this one, you can buy it. I think that's the one you can buy right now. I believe you can go to your game stores and pick it up. Guns and Gears is next for Pathfinder 2E. They had it in Pathfinder now they're bringing the guns and gears and gunpowder stuff and clockwork mechanics and um, how you can play those things and add them to them. a couple more classes coming in that also. And then after that one, they're going to their first non-bestiary book, but it still revolves around a monster book, which is Book of the Dead. And they're going to do a deep dive on Undead. And in that book, they're so smart. I'm, I, we're missing the boat on Paizo here. Um, not only is it all about fighting undead and all the undead that exist out there and rules and mechanics that they have that go with them, but they're also putting in rules to how to play undead. They're going to put Ooh. in some classes or archetypes that let you be an undead something. Um, or are uh, they're putting in like you can be a necromancer. You can be a lich. How do you play a lich in the game? You know, that's going to be in that book. So it's going to be player, some player facing, lots of new monsters, Lot, everything undead encapsulated in that. So pretty interesting. Those are all the big things that are coming out for those. Yeah. I also I saw that they're, they announced Pathfinder Infinite. And which, now Pathfinder Infinite. Yeah, which is basically the DM's Guild of Paizo. Mm -hmm. So DriveThru RPG, who runs the DM's Guild, does that, that whole website for them, is going to partner with Paizo. And now you can create and publish your own Pathfinder and Starfinder uh, it says adventures, character guides, bestiaries, and more. Like, it's really up to you. Yeah, they're giving you um, art packs. They're yeah, and that's the big thing. Like, that. you have all these free art packs that if you want to use them, then you can build uh, content for Pathfinder and Starfinder. And it'll look a little better because it has, like, actual art in it and things like that mm -hmm. is the idea. Uh, but that clearly this that business model must be working for 
uh, wizards, and so they're just like, we want to, we should start yeah. that, you know. And, and I so. feel like they also mentioned another company, something called somebody called Bookshelf. Bookshelf owned Drive Through RPG. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. Bookshelf because I, I hadn't that. heard that before. Yeah. Okay, that's okay, their so parent cool. company that they own a lot of things. Like they have a comic area and they have a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff. But Drive Through RPG is for RPGs. And that's then why I have Jordan yeah. on the show. He knows that, all. I know things. things. He just that's that's things. what I do. I talk on <laughs> podcasts and I know things. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, do you think now you you are in a DMs Guild alumni, right? Well, or, no, no yeah, R- one drive through RPG. No, did you put on DMs Guild or RPG? DMs Guild think? because I used uh, Forgotten Realms and stuff okay, like that. So you I didn't are have an to. Alumni, but I did. Yeah, one adventure that's done well as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's and very it's, well. I think it's probably because of the YouTube channel. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's like the most well-written thing that it rose to the top <laughs> which is the problem with the dms guild is there's lots of really great stuff but yeah. there's no way to filter it out to see what's good and bad and the review system isn't really the best and stuff so mm-hmm. but but no i mean it's a dollar you can go get it for a dollar i get 50 yeah. cents anytime someone buys it you know so do so. we think we might see a jordan pathfinder adventure uh, no, I don't know the system. No? <laughs> no. Like you do know the system. It's like a modified well, Dungeons and Dragons system. I it's mean, not that far off. I don't know. It's the same stats. It's AC. I it's... I would have to play a Pathfinder game or run one to really know what I'm building. So sure. Okay. I don't All know. Right. I'll go with it. I think I want to do um, uh, the vertical hex crawl before I start writing anything for Paizo, but. Yeah. I feel like they mentioned they are doing a... I didn't put it in my notes here, but I want to jump back to Pathfinder 2E for one second. Yeah. They've got a big city adventure coming, a la Tolis. And the guy who does the keynote, the main guy that is one of the writers at Paizo, one of the main creators at Paizo, he's like, I played for seven years in Tolis with... Monty, Monty Cook. Cook. Okay. So he's like, we're doing this. We're we're building a big one. Their book is also going to be huge, lots of stuff in it, but they're also going to have versions of it for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. They're going to have versions of it for if you want to still play it in original Pathfinder. Yeah. They're going to do all – and they're going to do a 5e version of it. Really? Yeah. That's they where are, They're that's working where the with money a company is, you know? that so. will do a 5e version of that big adventure book for you know, a I, big town. I look at Tolis as an example, and uh, as much as Monty Cook probably wants to make all of these things just for Cypher System or the things that he's created, uh, at the same time, you know that it's going to sell better if it has that compatible with 5e sticker on it. So, And they know it well enough. And so something like Tolis, which, uh, boy, I was flipping through the PDF of that the other day because Judge James has been doing Tolis videos, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And then I was going through the PDF, and I was like, man, I, I got to buy it. And I went, and, oh, $130. I don't yeah. have to buy this. this it's is, a big deal. This is not good. <laughs> I'll right? read the PDFs you already have. I bought uh, Worlds Without Number the other day. Oh, that's um, really That's going to come in the mail soon, strictly for, like, world-building stuff. But it actually has a lot of uh, – it is its own self-contained game. Mm-hmm. But I wanted it for all of the world-building aspects of it. Uh, so I've been reading that, and I'm like, this is really good. I'm like, oh, man, Tolis. I want to build a Tolis, I think. Yeah, like, I want to build cool. a a city. I want Endegar to be that, you know? Like, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. But 
Say, this is sort of on topic, but off topic too. Modifius just released a U.S. store. Yeah. Store. Yeah. So go you can to, get all yeah. their books with a little bit cheaper, a yes. little bit less on this on the shipping. No longer am and I getting. They have a lot of great <laughs> yes. systems. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, wallet is going to be hurting. <laughs> Modifius.us, I think. Uh, yeah. But definitely check that out if you're in uh, North America, because uh, boy, I I paid a lot to get Forbidden Lands over here from. Uh, yeah from free league modifius they they sometimes sell free league content but i yeah i was like oh where were you when i was shipping <laughs> like uh forbidden lands box sets from sweden but yeah. there you go yeah i keep looking at all the star trek adventures yeah. stuff that i want to get some books on they've got um the other big one over there that i was thinking they've got a fallout d20 a 2d20 system that looks really good mm -hmm. they've got conan over there john carter's on mars they've got Lots of really cool stuff. So they've got they have a lot of intellectual really, property that they're then putting yeah. game systems on top. Oh, Homeworld! Of, so. That was Homeworld, the other one. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely buying Homeworld. Yeah, that is in uh, that's in pre-production. Yeah. So it or it it isn't out yet, but uh, yeah. you can reserve it. But yeah, Homeworld would be really cool. I'm that might be the sci-fi game that that gets you in gets me into sci-fi games. But we'll yeah. see. I just really like the video game and the and the world of the video I love game. The art. Uh, is so good. But I don't know how I don't know what I would play. Like, oh, I'm a yeah, space I gotta read the marine. Book. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because that game topic. is all about it'd be like playing a um, a StarCraft RPG or something. Yeah, like yeah, I love StarCraft, but and I love the lore of StarCraft. But when I think about it, I'm like, what am I gonna be? A, a Zerg? A, SCV? A, like, I don't know. I'm an SCV <laughs> You'd be like guy. A like, minor. How do you do it on a on a micro level when the whole game is about, about these macro. giant macro fights? So yeah. we'll see. But uh, Homeworld is just really cool. So, um, so before I had realized that there was gonna be a big Gen Con announcement of all this news, I had to come up with what was I gonna put on the show for Pathfinder. So I thought we might do a small, quick, condensed history lesson, if you if you will. So I'm gonna put my professor- Go right, go right ahead. PhD of uh, yes. Pathfinder. So- um, The PPHD, the Pathfinder PH. Yeah, PPHD. Yeah. Core PPHD. <laughs> yep, the core book dropped in the summer of 2000, Nine. Oh, it's hot summer. Lots yeah, of stuff yeah, dropped. Lots that of year. stuff going on. So that's that's right at the. And pa remember, Pathfinder comes out when um, D and D three point five starts to run into people being not as happy with how the system's working, or it's about that time. That's the time frame because Pathfinder starts to really get steam going when three five is not giving people the thing they want, or three third edition is not giving them what they want. And they start looking for these other games, and Pathfinder starts growing in popularity. The summer, somewhere around 2009, 2010, 2011, it starts to yeah. build. Well, right? so Fourth uh, Edition came out the summer of 2008. How, oh, oh, and that's when they hated so it. So it was a yeah. year later that they are like, <laughs> guys, we could build something. Uh, coincidentally enough, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics released in 2012, I think. So again, it was yeah, all that like. As a response. But I think to... they were they were building it and announcing it in 2009. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Um, the last book that I could see. This is all from the wiki. So if there's anything wrong in our history lesson, we're going to blame wiki. Um, 2018 seemed to be the last non-adventure core book. So they have their their books are listed in core books, which are like monster manuals and rules books and class books and things about the world. Then they have their Adventure Paths books, 
most of those are like a um, sometimes they're not all of them are hardcover. Mm-hmm. They only do the hardcovers that they put all of it together, but usually they're like a like a soft cover book. And then they had just a few campaign books, which is very different than how Wizard of the Coast did theirs, which I thought was a cool history lesson. So 2018 seems to be the last non-adventure book they do, and it's a planar adventures. So it's about going on the planes in Pathfinder, and you learn about mm-hmm. planes. So almost like a Planescape-style book for them. And that Manual was the last planes, one yeah. that we see. Um, core-wise, they have 28 core books oh. that they had released over that 2009 to 2018. 146 adventure path books. The smallest number of pages in any one of those was 96 pages which is the average of most of the adventures. But a few of them are four or 500 page books. Just like the original core book was 576 pages. Can you imagine D&D broke theirs up basically and said, here's the three books you need to play. Or they used to say that, right? Dungeon Master's Guide, Player's Handbook, and then monster you, know, you would have your monster manual. Those are the three things you kind of would want to have. And that's so, the base game, yeah. And I think that's what Pathfinder's 576 pages is. It's the GM guide, it's the player's guide, and it's basically a monster gazette in there enough that you can take that book and you can play everything you need to play. But they, they have been known, Paizo has been known for big books, right? And I think Wizards of the Coast has gone to 200, 300-page books. They don't like to go into the four or 500-page book releases from what i can tell um i think they realize too and i i wonder if paizo's realized this that uh you know you make 500 pages worth of content and that's cool and it looks awesome on a shelf but like how many people play that so like why are we making all of this stuff that nobody's actually playing yeah. Uh, and I think wizards realized that and they were just like, why don't we just, I don't know. But but I do like this idea of adventure paths and I'm kind of surprised that wizards doesn't do that because yeah. I would love little modules that I could run, you know, right. not and anthology. Like I don't want all of Candlekeep, but I want like this and this, but I guess that's what the DM's guild is for. I don't know. Like, yeah. So just a different way they're doing it. Definitely yeah. a different approach that they're taking. 146 adventure path books. So let's yeah. say... You're a, you're looking to get into tabletop role playing, and you're like, I'm gonna pick Pathfinders. I've heard it's popular. It's good. D and D's good. This one's good. You can start at book one, and you have 145 more adventure path books to go through. Boy, you're filled up. <laughs> and then you're lot. not even into second edition yet. Um, the last piece of that is they did do two other campaign world books. Um, there was like a Wild Sea book, and there was another one, but that was it. So. What I found interesting in all of that was they like to do adventure paths that have multiple parts to them. Um, and so you're, you're playing in sequence, or you can play in sequence. They didn't like to release a lot of new campaign books. We get a lot of campaign books, worlds for D&D, right? We're not only in just sort of Forgotten Realms. We get a lot of different stuff from them. So there's a different philosophy for them, too. Um, during that that phase now we're into you know 2e stuff and they're redoing that now and 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 starfinders out but i thought it was interesting to see that was first edition pathfinder that was the route they took that was the if you want to get into it what you have available to you you could go out and get 28 core books you can go out and get 146 adventure paths you can go out and get two other campaign worlds out there who knows how much player contents out there that you could find somewhere 
And I bet a lot of these you could find in your local game store for like half price, quarter price, because people go in and trade it in, get credit, and buy something else. Like at my game store, I can go through the boxes of old RPG books and pick them up. Like I picked up Warhammer that way. First edition Warhammer I got for like 15 bucks when originally yeah. it sold for like 50 right? So I don't think um, my... I don't think my comp my game store buys that. I don't oh. think they do that. You have to find one that does. Well, it, I know there's old... a half price books. They'll buy old books, and I found a lot of old RPGs there. I found a James Bond RPG there. I was like, there "What? Go. This is so cool!" Yeah. Pierce Brosnan's face on the cover. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't think my game store buys used. They probably do, and I just don't know. They have a huge like. Magic the Gathering catalog area of old cards, but yeah, mm -hmm. so I don't know. So that's our history lesson for today. That's our news, what's happening now. Um, Jordan, it's what kind of games did you play over oh. this last week? Yeah. Um, what did I play? I played, well, we played <laughs> our game of uh, uh, Nellaloom, which is the uh, game oh. that uh, Dungeon Master... Uh, Nathan is running. Nathan. And that one I switched from a, I switched, I didn't like my monk. I didn't like that. So we talked about that and I asked him if I talked. Did we talk about that I on the show? I don't know if we did or not. Well, okay, here's the story. Uh, I was playing a monk of the four elements and kind mm -hmm. of focusing on water and I just did not like this character. And so the more mm -hmm. I was playing it, I'm like, I don't feel like I have an investment I in the story. I don't like any of it. So I didn't think they captured an elemental monk very well in the rules. Yeah, and that was the other I thing. Like you. playing the monk, I was really excited for this uh, in my mind. But the actual mechanics of it, I was like, this is yeah. this is not as much fun as I want it yeah, to you, be. Yeah, you want Avatar um, Airbender, you want Naruto, you want that kind yeah. of stuff, and it's so, just there's no rules for it. So I looked at my huge amount of uh, <laughs> fun characters, characters that I build just because I'm like I want to play this, and one of them was uh, a tiefling uh bard who is basically kind of like a a mage assassin Ooh. so the idea is that um and then i worked with with nathan to be like well hey this is kind of what i'm going for can i uh put this character in and so uh and i and it's the first time i'm playing a, a girl character I've, I've always played guys but i was like oh no i really feel like she's part of this like sisterhood of of anti-wizards and they're trying to get these wizards to go away so uh, she's a bard, but a lot of her magic is to thwart other spellcasters. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of like, I've got silence, uh, zone of truth, things like that, Kinda where she spells, can kind of yeah. like uh, manipulate. And then uh, for magical secrets, I think I'm going to either take counterspell or uh, one of the paladin smites so that I actually can like go in and yeah. attack. Blindness, deafness yeah. would be a good one. Yeah. I have that one. So uh, she's very like, anyway, so I'm playing a new character, uh, and her name is Rubri, and Rubri is now powering around with these people because uh, she's hunting an evil wizard that is working for, uh, or is worshiping probably this malevolent entity that these guys are kind of in, in with. So I have a reason to actually like pal around with them, which is good. Uh, we got on a ship, uh, I think I told this last week that we got pulled over by the Modron Spelljammer Spell police, and they said we were going uh, 12 demiplanes a second when we need to be going at a minimum, or a, a, we need to go no max higher than 10 dem demiplanes a second. It was just funny. <laughs> so we had to go to Modron court. We got out of that. 
Uh, and now we're back in the the people I'm with, their home plane, which turns out to be the Feywild. They call it Nellaloom, but we're now learning that it's the Feywild, and that's where they're from. And so I'm investigating this area now with them, trying to figure out how to find that wizard. Uh, it was fun. It was it was fun. So that game happened. Uh, I'm was going to start DCC Hot Springs tonight. Uh, but with my sick little boy, I don't know if I'm going to do that because I need to just devote time to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's interesting. A lot of people are on the internet asking me lately, and I don't know what the resurgence has been, but they're just like, when is Rod of Seven Parts coming back? And I'm like, I don't know. So we were talking about maybe starting that up again. Could be a lot of fun. So I secretly think Ted has been sending all of his viewers messages to say, hey, he might be. <laughs> go bug Jordan. God, we need to do it. Uh, it's it's been back. fun. And I finally got the whole episodes, all, all of them on uh, Patreon. So if you want to do podcasts, they're on there. Nice. Um, but you can always listen to them on YouTube uh, on Ted's channel, Nerd Immersion Plays. Uh, and so I don't know. There was talk of doing that again. Um, but... And, and this will be a... So I recorded a video last night, and I want to talk about it really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucian, you playing in Dungeon of the Mad Mage with Ack Inc. Mm-hmm. rules got me thinking about Rod of Seven Parts, uh, where that was kind of like a skeleton framework. Like, you need to go find these parts of the rod and put them together, and then that'll solve your problem or something. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know why. It's like a fetch quest kind of thing. But... Yeah. Because of that framework, I was able to put it uh, anywhere I wanted. I'm like, okay, well, all you have to do is find a rod. So, like, I, I could literally do any kind of any thing adventure. I want. Yeah. And yeah. if there's a rod at the end of it, there was a reason for you to do it. So I – and then I was also watching World Builder Bob or Bob World Builder, his channel. And he was talking mm-hmm. about he, – he released a video recently that said, here are the books I recommend that you buy for 5e. And I was thinking of all of those different adventures. So the video I recorded last night that I'm going to release either today or tomorrow once I get a thumbnail done uh, is about can you take Acquisitions Incorporated and use that uh, that framework of I the the head office is sending you out to do something. You're out to create a franchise. And That's the whole premise. Exactly. Um, but you're going to incorporate the major events of all of the Sword Coast adventures that have been released by Wizards of the Coast so far. So it's like, we need you to go here for Storm King's Thunder. We need you to go to the Underdark for Out of the Abyss. We need you to go over here to Chult to grab something. You got to head up to Icewind Dale. Then there's a problem in Waterdeep. (laughs) And then there's this. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, I think that's a really cool idea. And I kind of created this like, this, I don't know, Frankenstein monster of an adventure where you're working for Ack Inc. and you get to see the majority of the Sword Coast. I thought that'd be a lot of fun. So that's kind of what I was working on last night. (laughs) It was interesting. (laughs) Uh, That's about it. I'm probably going to have to cancel my game tonight uh, and I'll just read a bunch of more books and be extra prepared for tomorrow. But uh, what did did you do with your wonderful Um, week of gaming? We also had um, we have we had one player that's still feeling under the weather. Actually, is battling cancer, so we're we're all been super sensitive to their needs and their schedule because you know we want to make sure they're they're healthy, yeah. they pull through, and we don't want to put a lot of undue pressure on them because we want to play you know a role playing game. So we didn't have our game, but that allowed me to work more on the thing we had talked about last week, where I wanted to create a filler 
that we could do on those nights when not everybody can be there, but we could just use the people that are there. So even if it's one or two people that can stay and want to stay and play, what could we play? What could we do that are these nice contained one-shot kind of night things? And so I picked this uh, Fall of Delta Green system that I've been reading about, the gumshoe system we talked about um, last week. There it is. And I've been create and I started getting super excited about creating this fall of Delta Green. What does Delta Green look like in the in the 2000s now? Um, the fall happens in my mind in the 80s. Delta Green has gone away, and things have been dormant. You know that they kept in check for about 20 to 30 years, and things have started to realize. Wait a minute, Delta Green's not there to keep us hiding in the caves. Delta Green's not there messing with our operations and shutting us down and now they can start to grow and expand and what does that mean and what even are they or who is and i thought that was an interesting thing to say here's where the campaign starts something reactivates the delta green protocol and starts to create this thing that's going to battle that which lives in the shadows right that that the mainstream media doesn't know about kind of thing the regular world doesn't know vampires exist or werewolves are actually out there or Cthulhu monsters come from out of the ocean and destroy mm -hmm. towns. They don't know any of that, right? So um, I just thought it was interesting. So I got to really, it was exciting to be able to create. And you had mentioned, it was like a week or two ago, you had been working on your adventure and it might've been the DCC hot springs to get ready for it. And you just kind of typed in discord, man, it feels good to be creating again. It feels good to be thinking out what am I going to do with the players and what are some some plot strings and what are some things I can create that are going to be really fun. And I agreed. I was like, man, I, we've been playing a lot this year. We've been players of games a lot this yeah, year. Yeah, more than I've ever played ever. Like, yeah. I'm and just like, ready to get back to yeah. running the games. You know, my mind is really kicking it off. And I think it started with when we were talking about the cliff and how that had started getting my creativity yeah. going. And then now I'm looking at systems and how to build and use different systems. And um, so now it's just flowing again. I feel like it's it's really close to, to cooking off. So it felt great. And I'm playing a bunch of Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous game. It's surprisingly really good. I've got five playthroughs where I'm doing five different characters. That's so And funny. what I do is I do my main one all the way up through a certain part where there's a, a decent checkpoint. And I'm like, all right, that was super cool. Now let me go back with this character and go through that checkpoint. You know, and this character that reminds me of when I played Neverwinter Nights where I like got all the way to Act 2 and I found a druid grove. And they're like, oh, well, you can't do anything here because you're not a druid. And I like yeah. stopped the game and started a druid <laughs> over druid. and played the whole thing again so I could understand. I'm like, and then you get like, I don't know, a cool cloak or something. And I was like, ah, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But these character classes are fun and interesting and played differently. And even though some of the stuff is the same, some of the fights do different things. Sometimes you find some something else you didn't find before. Um, you can take different dialogue trees yeah. that can affect the game. So I'm having fun playing these different classes and characters. I've got a cavalier. I've got a wizard. I've got a witch. I've got a kineticist. Um, I'm just playing all the things and having fun. So yeah. it's been really fun. I've streamed a couple of nights of it. I'll probably stream some more this weekend of it. Um, play the witch up. I've been doing the witch playthrough on the stream. So that's been cool. Hex-based magic. And I'm about yeah, to I get was, the third I was going to try level, and catch so one of your streams. Kind of cool. yeah. um, I might, if I don't actually run my game tonight i might stream 
like a session prep and just kind of talk yeah. about it and stuff. That I could think be about that fun. too. My Delta so. Green, I wanted to do us. I almost streamed that where I was. What's cool about a modern day one too is that you can Google Map places. Like I looked up, where is the forensic office in Kentucky and in Michigan? And then like I looked it up, and there's like three main offices used for a forensics lab in my state and then in kentucky there was like two or three and i was like it's so cool to look up weird things and then i started getting worried though because i'm like i wonder what google thinks i'm doing now that i'm looking up this weird stuff government's coming after you google searches about where do they store nuclear weapons you know or something like that that's relevant to a game i'm planning to play but that may not look that that search doesn't tell you I'm planning a TTRPG. The government just thinks, why is this guy looking up nuclear waste dump management or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fun. Yeah, I, that was man, I love I love prepping games. I love running them. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And we we always talk about how excited you get for a new game. You know, oh, so, The start yeah. of a new campaign is the best. The best. Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find gonna some go check lunch. Out and go take care of the boy. He's sleeping. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, Thanks for letting me test out my new webcam. Maybe I'll zoom in a little bit more so it's not just this, like, hyperspace where I'm running around. I've got you zoomed in on mine a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm way zoomed out (laughs) over here. So Uh, we will see you guys next week with another Mm -hmm. episode. Uh, Friend of the show, Silver Boulay, might be here. Uh, We'll talk about that. Um, And I'll get my overlays done so we can actually have a a guest. (laughs) Uh, anything else before we need to take off, sir? That's it. Everybody have a wonderful time. Yeah. Keep an eye on, I've been posting on Discord and Twitter if I'm going to jump on and stream. I'm not like trying to schedule anything. I'm just like, hey, I'm jumping in. Come join me. Just like yeah. Jordan will do a lot of times too. Like just check Twitter and check the Discord. It's like, hey, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start doing stuff. So if you want to want to jump in with us, just keep an eye on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.